Hi, I'm Maurice Schiller and you're listening to The Schillering Hub, a podcast gathering hospitality professionals from around the world to talk about what hospitality is and what it isn't, and their lives, the innovations, and the ideas that set some businesses apart and others not. We also talk about the future, the trends, and recently we embarked on a journey to search for happiness in hospitality. What makes hospitality a happy place? What are the hurdles that block happiness from happening? And what can we do to overcome them? I invite you to be part of this journey. Comment and send us a message of how our conversation impacts your day. Ask me a question or tell me a guess you'd like to listen to. We make this for you, so I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. I have Alex Mumford with me to talk a little bit about his career and what he's doing now. Alex, thank you for coming and joining us. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So, yeah, really and looking forward to this. That's also Alex. Like, I, I don't... I, I, don't like to introduce our speakers because I want you to really tell our community who you are. Uh, we start always with the human first, so please tell our listeners who Alex Mumford is. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, he's nobody. Um, it's, it's probably the best way of putting it. Um, I am a manager within um, food and beverage, within restaurants, um, currently working Every day, every day. Um, I get the odd day off. Currently working on high street restaurants, um, kind of full in, full on operations. Glad to see the back of Christmas last year. Um, and we're into that kind of recruitment, retraining, re kind of, yeah, retaining the staff, all those kind of bits now, which is good. Um, but yeah, from the UK, father of five. Um, that's pretty much all I've got going, really. <laughs> that's well, like, that's fuck. Father of five and food and beverage manager is a lot on your plate already, literally, right? <laughs> yeah, it's great fun. But so uh, tell me a little bit more, like, because uh, food and beverage is like a beautiful and complicated type of business, right? It's not easy. We, we know that, okay? But how did you get into it? I fell into it. I didn't go the traditional route of... I want to be a chef or I want to work customer service or any of that thing. I didn't know what else to do. Um, I kind of, in some ways, I was very fortunate. I just absolutely breezed through education, um, never had to think of any of it, never had to put any effort in. And then I came out of education and suddenly the, the, the real world hit me of, oh, I probably should have tried harder and I should have learned how to focus and how to develop an actual skill set, not just rely on being able to sit there and retain information short term. Um, so yeah, when I came out of school, I was, according to my grade, super intelligent, but not qualified for anything, not ready for anything. Um, so, I mean, I don't feel like I've progressed into there either, which is annoying. Um, so I went to work part-time for a family business building boats. Um, and then I went part-time into a cafe and it had a super low entry barrier and someone said, I'll teach you how to make coffee. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. Um, and yeah, I dabbled in and out for the best part of a decade, on and off between the two um, different industries. And then one day I got made, made redundant from, from my boat building, um, and I just had enough. So I moved 100 miles away from the family just to 
put some pressure on myself to actually grow up a little bit. Um, it's probably about mid-twenties at this point. And then, yeah, the last decade's just been spent just kind of raising a family. Um, yeah, being around for my wife and trying to actually make a career now um, in food and beverage, in restaurants. I have to tell you that I believe, and this is my own data, okay? So, like, uh, sure. yeah, so it's my own data from my own brain. But by the conversations I normally have, I would say that this cheesy story that, oh, I always dreamed to be a chef. <laughs> oh, like, nah, no, no, no. <laughs> it doesn't really happen like this. I think that most people actually, well, falls into it. I, I, I started as a teaching hand because I couldn't even speak English in the country I was in and that was the only thing I could do was washing dishes and I ended up learning how to cook and, and continue in the, in the kitchen for a long time. So uh, I believe that we get to like what you do. You don't need to really love what you're going to do, uh, but you get to learn and like this thing. So uh, you're not nobody, as you said, you have very important things that and mainly as being a father of five, so you are somebody very important in the world, right? <laughs> and, to those guys, absolutely, yeah. And and tell me one thing, like about like being in that customer service and of course juggling jobs. That's I would I would say that uh, fifty percent of the industry would relate to you. Yeah, fifty percent of the industry are probably juggling jobs, and they are working in a cafe, they are working in a pizza shop, and they are also doing things around it. But how was that for you, really, to to work? Because they're two very different kind of jobs. Like I, I clean boats as well in Australia, so I know that's very musical and 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 make that thing shine. You know, very hard work, really, and serving people very different. Yeah. Uh, what made you actually to decide to go to like, yeah, I prefer to serve people actually than being on my own. Um, I don't know that I ever did decide, if I'm honest. Um, I took redundancy in the, the kind of boat building job where I was. Um... And again, I had no actual qualifications in it. So finding another job in that industry would have been really tough. I'd have been bottom of the pile, mm -hmm. but I still had my job in the cafe. Um, so I kind of thought, let's just carry on this. Took a few extra hours. Um, and then I went to work in a music venue and I did music college before all this. So I kind of like knew the sound engineering and all those kind of things. So I got in on that side and then got behind the bar and thought, oh, this is actually quite good fun. Um, and then, yeah, just just went from bar to bar to bar to pub to restaurant to bar to pub to restaurant um just constant just in a loop and it was good fun i guess you almost get caught up in the whirlwind of of what it is because when it's in that kind of environment when there's like just music on and everyone's having a great time every night of work was just a party mm. and it's really hard to replicate that in another industry if you go from that to going like oh i'll get a proper adult job now as i thought about it as the time i thought oh, i'll go sit at a desk and work on a computer and and just, I couldn't think of anything worse. It was just that that dopamine hit every single shift it was amazing. Um, so I think you almost get addicted to that, which is crazy. It's almost in the same way, I don't know, taken on a curveball, but crack cocaine works on the same way as dopamine based kind of infusion almost. Um, so it was it was kind of like that every night is the best way I could describe it without actually taking any else. Um So yeah, going from that to a nice quiet little job in the corner somewhere just it just never suited me 
Um, and eventually, like to your point earlier, I, I agree. I don't think like a passion is something you ever find. I think it's something you you kind of you build because no one's ever passionate about something they absolutely suck at. And whenever you first start doing something, like I did with coffee or serving, like terrible. Probably the first thousand coffees I made, I would I imagine were probably undrinkable. Um, and people still nod and smile and pay for them. But yeah, it wasn't until a couple of years in when I finally got good at it and I had some knowledge and I had some people going, oh, that's actually okay, and a bit of validation that I thought, oh, I'd, I'd quite enjoy this actually. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose you just kind of build and grow into a passion rather than rather than find it. And I think that was the case case yes. for me. Yes, no, it, it, it's, it's, I believe it because like now that we are discussing a lot about uh, happiness in hospitality with uh, other people, with other guests, and we start to learn these this, uh, mental challenges that we have to actually have that happiness to come from inside us, right? Because we try to, we want to be happy, but things in the environment, things, uh, people, the environment, uh, stuffing around us, the news, uh, all that may block that happiness, uh, happiness to happen. Um, but as you said, when you're in that environment where everyone is having fun, this is just so contagious that you start to like, well, uh, I, if I'm here, better to have fun right and and if i can provide fun to others like why not and i think that this is what is the hospitality dna in the end of the day that so many people are starting to talk about right uh that uh, willingness to try to have uh, fun with the people that are paying for fun right <laughs> like if i can put like this way and alex now um, what you doing now? So you are like you said that you're a manager of food and uh, beverage, but I got to know you more about all the projects that you've been uh, working on. What's what's going on in your life now? Um, quite a lot. <laughs> crazy. Um, this this year for me is a year of trying to build a bit of a side project, I guess you'd you'd say. Um, because I've realised since COVID, COVID for me was amazing in some ways because i got the year off to spend with my kids and we'd had a little baby about three weeks before everyone went on furlough in the uk so that first year of his life amazing <laughs> um so really enjoyed that but it got me thinking all of that downtime all of that time to to kill almost um and then i, I somehow came out of covid out of furlough with a promotion to to like a gm role and then the first day back you realize that actually i have no idea what i'm doing um and I think so many other people in the industry were in a very similar situation because, of course, lots of people from Europe in, in the UK, a huge percentage of our kind of hospitality workforce were from other parts of Europe. Um, and during lockdown, they all went back to spend the time with their families and um, kind of take jobs in, in other countries. So the vast majority of people who held a position in the UK ended up promoted to a position that they had no idea how to do. And I think there's still an element of that. I think that's one of the biggest challenges we've got at the moment is lots of our managers, um, certainly not all of them, it's not meant to annoy anyone, um, but lots of our managers just need some support. They kind of need a bit of guidance um, because again, as a result of COVID, KPIs and targets and all these kind of things have really toughened up. Um, most places I've been to recently, it's all about revenue. It's all about labor percentages and there's no support in my experience of how to get these kind of things how to achieve these targets and how to manage our kpis 
It's just, these are the KPIs, you either hit them or you don't, it's very black and white. And I think there's a lot of people who just need a bit of extra, you know, maybe a template or maybe a bit of a course on, but how do I do that? Um, and a bit of support in, in kind of in doing so. Um, and then the other kind of big issue that I can see at the moment um, is that there's just not enough people to fill the roles. Um, so again, retention's a big thing we've been talking about recently as an industry, the last year or so when people have really almost, I know mental health's now front of mind instead of back of mind and it, it's super important. Um, and retaining our team members has, has just never been more important. But again, there's, there's no real literature on how to do so. It's just, everyone keeps saying, oh, you, you need to do it. And but it's like, but, but how do I do that? <laughs> so I'm intending this year to supply a bit more of the how, um, how to do things. I think everyone knows what to do or why to do it, but it's just how. Um, so that's where I'm hoping to come in. So yes, that's a very good thing to do because you are absolutely right. Uh, the way that I see it, it seems that hospitality didn't worry about the supply of uh, labor before until it was too late, right? Now there's no new supply coming, so you need to retain uh, whoever you have. And we just didn't develop that part, right? Uh, we, we didn't we develop, well, not the whole industry. Yeah, I'm talking uh, parts of it, mainly I would say uh, restaurants, probably, that uh, always being a rotating kind of uh, job. Uh, but there is so much there to work on. There's so much opportunity uh, for people to learn. So how you intend to uh, tackle this how? Like what you want to do to achieve that uh, template or uh, how to want to help this uh, business owners? Uh, so for me, it comes down to... Four, four things. Um, there's how to properly recruit people. Um, so the idea, just to, as an overview, is to basically put it all into like a course and program with all these templates, which I'm currently writing at the moment, um, and then just get it out to anybody who needs it. Um, it's not, it's, it's not going to be one of those things where I'm going to make millions off of this and sell it for an extortionate price. It's just let's just get it into the hands of as many people as we possibly can um, and hope that it works for most of them. Um, so it's all about, um, the first problem we aim to tackle, or I aim to tackle, it's only me, um, will be the recruitment side of things. So it's how to actually hire the right people. Um, because one of the statistics that's come out of um, a project called This Is Pineapple, um, that's just launched massive things, but it's brilliant, um, is that within food and beverage, around about 30% of people of new recruits don't last the first 12 weeks. So three months later, you're then spending more money and more time and more energy hiring another round of people who 30% of those still won't last the next 12 weeks. And it's just constant. So if we can tackle that issue, free up more time, free up more money, um, and then we can pour that into actually training staff. Um, so instead of just being a conveyor belt, we can get a solid team in and then actually spend the time and the resources to teach them how to do their jobs properly. Mm -hmm. um, so I've got recruit, then it's retain, sorry, then it's retrain. Um, and then it's retained. So it's find out what is it they actually need? What is it they want? Because again, I think COVID's given a massive shift in mindset for people. It's not a job just isn't just a job anymore. It needs to provide more than that. It needs to provide work-life balance. It needs to provide fulfillment. It needs to provide fun and happiness to your point earlier. Um, so it's teaching people how to provide that 
for the team as a whole, but then also the individuals within their team, because everyone wants something different. The way that I think is very different to the way that most of my team think. Um, and what I look for in a role would be probably completely different to what one of my counterparts might do. Um, so it's being adaptable, being flexible, but kind of hitting everybody um, in the team. And then it's rewarding them afterwards. Um, so as a manager, it's enjoying the extra time you've got. It's enjoying the extra revenue that you're generating. It's enjoying and almost celebrating the wins of doing so. Um, and then sharing that with the team who are sticking by you a bit more now um and just kind of celebrating that together so as you're saving money on on your um on your recruitment costs and all the time and energy just put that into what's already there in front of you um into your team into your guests um and in theory bit of an upward spiral instead of a downward one yeah, it's it's it sounds like a great plan and one question i have there is it's more a challenge that i i, I foresee and i'm just trying to figure out how how to understand what people want because i think that this is a question that people cannot answer themselves yet right so have you what you thinking how to try to get to understanding uh what they really want when they are in the job the easiest way i've found which is probably contrary to to your point is you just ask them It's, it's by far the simplest way I've, I've ever known. It, there seems to be, in my experience of restaurants, no one's ever asked me what I want from a job mm -hmm. other than in an interview. Um, and then you get, you get the job, you get given it, you start in the role, and then that's never mentioned again. So it's, it's just having that conversation, having the open dialogue, having your monthly check-in or every couple of weeks, just, just take five minutes. It's all it takes. Just like, just to check in, how are things for you? How can we make them better? What's working? What's not working for you? What kind of thing would make you never want to leave us? Which I think is a crucial question. Stolen out from Jim Taylor, brilliant guy. Um, and then just having that open dialogue with them constantly. And I think the first, first two or three times, maybe they don't know um, exactly what they need or what they want, but having, having that conversation will get them thinking about it. Um, and you can even challenge them to come up with a few things, but keeping it front of mind, eventually they'll they'll figure out their answer. Yeah, building the mindset perfectly. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you said uh, our word there before, and as a father of five, I'll throw that question to you because there's a lot to do what we are trying to achieve here of happiness as well. It's uh, work-life balance, right? Okay. Um, Favorite topic. Yes. Uh, because that's basically how I got to know you a little bit of uh, trying to help parents in hospitality to figure it out that, um, that I don't know how, how far you went with that project and it doesn't really matter. I just want to try to understand uh, work-life balance, huge topic. How do you manage that and how do you think that people could manage that? I... Um probably have a slightly contrarian view on this one as well. Um, Work-life balance for me is all, it's all mindset um, for me. You, maybe 5% mechanics, but it's, I used to get burned out in the last job that I had um, because I wasn't managing how I was thinking about the role, if that made sense. So for me, it's because you see people that will work 120 hours a week and never get burned out. You'll see people that'll work 37 and within six months, they're just absolutely on the ground. Um, so for me, it's not, it's not the hours you put in because it, it can't be. Otherwise there would be a threshold and we go over that and everyone's the same. 
Um, but I, I realized that it was what I was thinking about the role. So the last role I did, it just didn't suit me. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. It was, it was a nice enough place to work. It just, the role didn't fit me. Um, so therefore I didn't enjoy it. I went in thinking like, ah, God, this again, like another day here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was that that burned me down. Um, whereas the place I'm at now and the other stuff I'm doing, I'm now working probably double the hours I was there. Um, trying to get my restaurants kind of in a really good place, but also trying to get my projects in a good place on the side, plus juggling the five kids. Um, and it's making the most of downtime, but it's also the, the way you think, in my opinion, from my experience, um, the way you think about the role that you're doing or the job that you're doing or the project, if it doesn't excite you and it's not something that you can jump out of bed for and go, okay, let's go. Not, ah, oh, I need three coffees first and uh, let's just quick scroll on Facebook, bit of doom scrolling. Um, if it doesn't get you leaping out of bed, at some point you are going to get burned out. But if you know that oh, I've got a really exciting day, day today, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And it just gives you the energy to power through. Um, so I think it's almost building building the passion and then just kind of following where it takes you, if that makes sense. Um, totally. I'll be honest, on the, on the happiness front, I've... I, I gave up looking for it a while ago. I realized that for me, happiness was an umbrella term for a lot of other emotions and a lot of other feelings that I just didn't know how to define. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like, oh, I'm really happy today, but actually it was, I was feeling more joy or I was feeling more calm or more peace or less stress. Um, but once I kind of realized that actually there's there's little bits inside there, little nuances, um, and that I could just manage the tiny aspects like how stressed am I feeling today? How overwhelmed am I feeling? How tired am I feeling? Um, and then for, so for me, it was just an umbrella term of those. Um, so I find my happiness by kind of pursuing what I'm passionate about, spending the time with the kids that I need to. You know, I get a couple of days off every week to do so. But also I find happiness in knowing that I'm working towards something that I think matters. Whether or not anyone else agrees with me, sort of irrelevant. Like I think it matters, therefore it matters to me. Um, so I'm just going to, yeah, pursue that with everything I've got. Alex, you have no idea because uh, I just had a conversation with a mindfulness coach, uh, Nikki Vinogrodas, and sorry if I misspell your name, Nikki, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> a good try either way. Yeah, it's, it's hard, but, uh, and he's a mindfulness coach and that's what we are trying to achieve and to talk like he was a former chef as well um, um, a, a tour and operator a manager so he's been in hospital for a long time and now he's a mindfulness coach and you guys are really aligned on that idea yeah like he said that the first thing mindfulness a lot of people talk about the technique of mindfulness but the technique of mindfulness is nothing if your mind is super clustered and unhappy with what you do, right? So basically he said like the first thing that he works with is uh, getting a purpose. What you doing? Does it have a purpose in your life, right? So, uh, and it goes exactly as you said. He said like, if you are in a very bullying kitchen where like all the chefs are really annoying right but they are great and you learn a lot and you put in your mindset look i'm here to learn this i'm here to learn with these people right you can try to get that mindset of i know why i'm here so what they're saying it doesn't matter because uh, i know why you know and and you can create that mindset of 
being happy where where you are because you know why you're doing that so you said perfectly it's awesome uh it's so good to have these things coming together now uh thank you for sharing that so hey welcome if you come to think about the future now because again to the last part of the podcast where we try to dream about the future okay and the industry basically uh, went upside down in two years. So it's really hard to think about the future, actually. But if you could dream about the future of hospitality, and I'm talking about five years, yeah, let's not go too far. Um, <laughs> what do you think that uh, it's going to be in the food and beverage area? Because that's where you are. So how is it going to look like? Interesting question. Um, I think probably not so much in five years, but I, I think in the near future, um, I would probably guess maybe five to ten. It's. I think we're going to see it go more towards automation and more towards technology. Um, because, for example, using... I What's an example? Let's just say you have a particular newfangled fryer that works on the new technology in the kitchen and it just heats itself to the correct temperature it fries your chips for you it can get them out when they're done and you're going to get all this um like consistency you're going to get less wastage you're going to get less energy used and all these kind of things i think we're working more towards that kind of path of far more technology led um you've got like qr codes and other kind of fancy things now in front not a, not a strength of mine this topic you can probably tell um, but kind of all new, fan new fancy technologies being used for a house as well to automate the customer journey. I think we're going to head in that direction. But as with everything, we're going to go far too far. And then in a few years after that, we're going to come kind of back again and find our balance. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be that surprised to see more robots used in service um, until people realize that actually it was, the, it was the service that they enjoyed. It wasn't necessarily the food or the drink or the environment. It was the fact that they've got this nice person who's just really happy to see them um, having normal conversations. Um, so yeah, I think maybe maybe 10 years or so, we're going to go too far in one direction and then find our happy medium on the way back again. That's an awesome overview, actually. It's it's quite... Uh, <laughs> it goes aligned with what a lot of people are talking about hospitality, about hotels now with the automation and uh, the low entry, right? Because the moment that you automate the whole hotel, really easy to invest and buy a hotel and you, you don't need to really train people so if you don't know anything that's okay right um, but then what happens is there's a boom of hotels and all of a sudden like rates go low and you can't pay the, your investment anymore because the margin is so small uh, but then you have all these businesses doing all the same right and then okay you get someone in the front desk there just to say hi here's a coffee here's a juice uh you can go to the machine there and uh so you can bring the price a little bit up so uh we go in cycles uh, always and it's awesome to see that you have that vision too uh for food and beverage alex how can our listeners contact you get to know you have a chat uh and start getting into your consulting this year um, LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Um, I ha I think I have a Facebook page somewhere, but I'll be honest, I've not logged on it for about three years. So I dread to think what's on there now. Um, I should probably take a look at that. Thing. But um, yeah, LinkedIn is, is the one I'm focusing on, um, certainly for the first half of this year, just to just test the platform, really. Um, it's great for networking as well. It's great for connecting with people and, and actually having a chat with 
with other people of a similar similar mindset and similar passion. So that's yeah, it's been really good on there. So yeah, I'm always happy to chat to anybody. I like people. Awesome, Alex. So I'll put the link of your LinkedIn of the notes here. And thank you. Yeah, thank you for uh, having this open, nice chat, actually. And contrary to what you think, there's a lot of people there that have exactly like the same story. And I think that this type of mindset that you have can be really helpful for a lot of people now that are getting into the industry and getting confused with all these changes, all this pressure and everything that's going on. So I think that we need more people like you to give some guidance, to give some uh, peace of mind so you can sit in this new position, this new role in this new job and kind of know a little bit more what to do, decrease the stress level and help the human side. So when you're not stressed, you can help other humans, right? So thank you very Absolutely. much for what you're doing. I just appreciate it. No, likewise, thank you. And thank you very much for having me on. Uh, great to chat to you. Awesome. Children, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.